You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right. Good morning, Radiant Church. So good to see all of you here. Welcome to our Sunday morning services. My name is Marco. Again, I'm the lead pastor here. Thank you for making Radiant a part of your weekend. Today we are in or continuing our series entitled, of course, Pray Like Jesus. And we are examining the prayer life of Jesus and how his prayer life should impact our daily prayer life as well. And if you were with us last week, we talked about the Father heart of God, the Father heart of God, that God is our Heavenly Father, and He relates to each and every one of us as a father relates to his children. And what we see in the Scripture, what we see in the Gospels particularly, is that Jesus reflects perfectly the Father heart of God. And so we too, as His disciples, were His kids, we should relate to God as our what? As our Heavenly Father. But last week I talked about this, that for some of you, this may be difficult. It's confusing. Why? Because you had a bad dad. You had a dad who was absent or he was abusive or um, maybe he passed away at a young age. Maybe he hurt you physically, emotionally, spiritually. And for some of you, it causes great confusion when we talk about relating to God as our Heavenly Father, I said this last week in our message, sometimes the wounds of an earthly father block the light of your Heavenly Father. And so if you want to begin to receive and return, right, the, the love of the Father, then you, some of you maybe need to begin the process of forgiveness. Forgive your father for not being there. Forgive your earthly dad for letting you down and disappointing you. Forgive your earthly father from walking out. Maybe he walked out on you and your mom and your siblings. And the only way that you can begin to receive God's love and know him as a heavenly father is by beginning the process of forgiveness. No, it's not going to happen overnight for some of us. But once we begin to do that, we can receive and begin to know his love in a very personal way. Away. Now, this morning we're going to look at the prayer life of Jesus while he was here on the earth, and then we're going to discuss how his prayer life should impact our prayer life as well. So, I want you to think about this for just a moment. Just as children learn how to communicate with their parents, we too, we have to learn how to communicate with our Father. Uh, children don't come into this world knowing how to do anything, pretty much. They can't eat on their own, drink on their own. They learn from their parents, right? And so we have to learn how to communicate with our heavenly father. Right now in our household, we're trying to teach our kids, because they're young, how not to interrupt an adult conversation. Because to a child, everything is urgent, right? Right? It's like, dad, 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 10,000 times, right? And so we're teaching them how to communicate. And so we too have to learn how to communicate to our Heavenly Father. And parents, we can do a great service to our kids when we, when we pray in front of them. We pray out loud. We can model 
prayer for them, help them to learn how to pray. Now, today you should have received, I hope you did anyways, if you didn't, ushers will kind of walk around here in a few moments, you should have received this half page of notes here. If you didn't get one, maybe raise your hand and an usher will come to you in a second. This half page of notes has essentially my entire outline. There's a lot of points here this morning in case I don't get through all of them. Well, first service, I had to rush the last few of them. Either way, you have the references. You can take this home. Stick it in your Bible. Hopefully, you'll look up the verses later on. If you are online, you don't get any notes. I'm kidding. We love you guys online. Um, Go to RadiantBC.com. Go to our homepage. Go scroll down to updates, and you'll see this Pray Like Jesus icon behind me or graphic. Click on that, and that will open up another page for you to download the PDF file. You can download it right to your phone or your tablet, and you'll have access to those as well. So listen, let's go ahead. Without further ado, let's dive right in, and uh, let's, uh, let's ask God to illuminate his word um, as we hear the message. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this message, Lord. I love the prayer that we've been praying already. Pour your spirit out. So, so such, such a great prayer, God. I, I love what Jesus says to Nicodemus there. He says that uh, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. And God, the spirit moves like a wind, and we don't know when it comes and where it goes. And God, that is what we're praying for this morning, for the activity of your Holy Spirit to awaken faith in this place, to draw men and women to you, God, to convict us of our sin, to, to, uh, to comfort and encourage us, to strengthen us through your word, God. We believe that you're going to use your word, God, to mature and disciple us. So we pray this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, and amen. That's right. Number one, let's dive right in. How did Jesus pray? Well, let's look at our notes here, and you can look behind me as well. Jesus prayed scriptural prayers. Jesus prayed scriptural. He prayed scripture, in other words. Scriptural prayers. Luke 6, 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. Notice what Luke tells us. He, and he spent the night praying to God. Isn't that amazing? He spent the whole night praying to God. That's awesome. But I think for many of us, when we think about that, that's like, that's pretty intimidating. Because my guess is that, my guess is that very few of you, maybe not even any of you, have ever prayed the whole night. That's just my guess. And some of us are thinking, Marco, after five minutes, I don't even know what to say anymore. Praying the entire night, (laughs) that's not going to happen, Right? But here's what I want to remind you, that prayer is two main sort of elements or concepts. The first is talking, right? We talk to God. The second is what? Listening to God. And the primary primary way that we hear God is through and by his word, okay? The scripture, the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, right? That's the book for me. That's how we primarily hear God. The Lord, I'll say it, uh, let me just say it like this. In prayer, we speak to God, and in Scripture, God speaks to us. So here's what I want to say. There have been many times where I have been praying with Scripture, reading Scripture as well, and God has illuminated, highlighted certain passages. Uh, Has anyone ever felt that way? You're reading the Bible, and you feel like, man, there's something that sticks out, and All of a sudden, God gives you clarity and 
further um, direction on something that you've been praying about. And you're like, wow, that's, this is amazing. Like, God is, is speaking to me right now. When uh, I was at Calvary Church on staff there in Grand Rapids before we moved back to Bay City. Grand Rapids or Calvary Church, huge church, 5,000 people, 4,000, 5,000 people. They had there a prayer garden. It was amazing, beautiful. It was literally the size of this room, and it was literally, it was a garden. I mean, they had constructed this garden. I don't know how much it cost them. It cost a lot of money. But the whole purpose of the prayer garden was that people could go there and pray. And so Pastor Jim, my pastor, my former pastor, still a great friend of mine, he encouraged his staff to spend time in the prayer garden every day. And so I would go in the prayer garden, and I would challenge myself, I'm going to pray for an hour in the prayer garden. When I went to the prayer garden, I would um, take two things, my journal and my Bible. I took those two things, and I would recommend that you do, you do that as well. You don't have to do it my way, but I think it works, so you can try it if you'd like. But take a journal and a Bible. A journal, why a journal? Because in the journal, I write down what I'm praying for, what's on my heart, the burdens. Uh, I'm praying for specific people, for marriages that, that come up to me, and they say, my marriage is in trouble I might write that down for, for sickness. People say, Marco, I'm looking for a job. I need prayer. I'll write those things down in my journal, right, and I can remember it. But then I'll also have my, the word of God next to me, and sometimes I'll, I'll pray and read, I'll pray and read, I'll pray and read, and God illuminates his word for me, right? When I, when, before we came, obviously before, we, we moved to, to, to Bay City to plant Radiant Church, I remember Pastor Jeremy Brown, he's the pastor of Radiant in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, very, very, like, that city is amazing, but it's very liberal, very, like, new age in some sense. So he's got hard ground. He's got a hard task on his hands. But he's one of my overseers and one of my coaches. And he just tells me, he, I remember he told me, Marco, you need a word from God. Like, you need, if you're going to plant this church, you need, to, you need to know that you know that you know. You need a word from God. I was like, okay, fair enough. Like, that's, yeah, I, I, I get that. And so uh, I remember we were worshiping at Calvary, and I felt like the Lord was highlighting the word compassion for me. <clears throat> so I felt like the Lord told me, I want, you to, I want you to open my word up. So I opened his word, and literally, like, the first verse that I saw was Matthew 9.36. And Matthew 9.36 says this. It says that he, or Jesus, looked out into the crowds, and he had compassion on them. They were harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And I knew right there that God was talking to me, that God spoke to me. That was my calling card to go back to Bay City. God said, there's sheep there. They have no shepherd. They're wandering around the city. They have casts on. They're, you know, they, they have um, crutches, and they ha- they're, they're limp. You know, they're, they're limping around, and... and, and they have no shepherd, and you need to go and shepherd these lambs. So I, I came home, and I said, to, I tell my wife, I said, like, honey, I think the Lord spoke to me. And, of course, um, she's like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, he spoke to me from Matthew 9, 36. So I, I'm like, let me read it to you. So I read the verse to her. She just, she's like chopping onions or whatever, or not, not onions. But I don't know what she's doing, but she's getting something ready in the kitchen. And all of a sudden, she looks at me, and she just bursts in tears. And she just felt the power of God, the presence of his spirit. And she looked at me, and she comes running to me, and she sat down next to me, put her hand on mine. So, I, I mean, I start crying like a baby because she's crying like a baby. And we're both like, like, that's it, God spoke. He spoke, that's it. Like, that's right there, Matthew 9, 36. 
That's it. That's our calling card. And we just knew, man, when God speaks, we listen, we obey, no turning back. And so that's what we did. But God uses scripture to what? To speak to us. Jesus himself, did you know this? He recited scripture all the time. The Psalms were his most referred to uh, book of the Bible for Jesus. In second place is Deuteronomy. Close third place is Isaiah. What am I trying to say? Jesus knew the word of God. He often recited it in prayer. He spoke it. He preached it. It was constantly on his lips. And so the next time that you pray, have your Bibles with you and read and pray, read and pray, read and pray, and ask God to illuminate his word for you so that he might give you greater clarity and direction. Number two, all right, let's keep going. Jesus prayed warfare prayers, warfare prayers. Prayer is war. I don't know if you knew this. But prayer is a war. Jesus spent 40 nights in the wilderness, and he was attacked by Satan himself. He was tempted. Right? Satan came to him and tried to twist the word of God. Here's, here's the thing, church. Do not be surprised. Do not be surprised if your life gets more difficult at the time that you decide to become more devoted in your prayer. Do not be surprised that your life will get more difficult at the same time your prayer life gets more devoted. The Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians 6.12 that we do not wrestle with flesh and blood. What's that mean? He means that behind people, behind us, there's a spirit. There's a, there's, a, there's a spiritual realm. Paul says we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but with what? With rulers, authorities, powers, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. That's Ephesians 6.12. You can look it up yourself. In other words, Paul's trying to tell us that there is a seen realm, a physical realm that we can see with our eyes, right? But there's also an unseen realm, right? A spiritual realm that we cannot see. It's in the heavenlies, and there's a war taking place there between good and between evil. I want you to read the New Testament, and when you go through the New Testament, look at the letters of Paul Paul uses these terms, power, powers, and authorities. Powers and authorities. You'll see it in Colossians. You'll see it, you'll see it through different uh, areas of his writing. What are powers and authorities? Whether these strongholds or these spiritual entities that are warring against humanity. It's real. It's not made up. It's what Paul talks about. That's what, that's, what, that's what Jesus is talking about here in some sense, right? We have God. We know God is for us, but we also have what? A spiritual enemy who wants to kill, steal, and destroy, right? Look at John 12, 27 through 28. Jesus is praying, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name there. Father, again, remember over a hundred times, I think, Jesus refers to God as Father here. Then a voice from heaven, uh, then came a voice from heaven, excuse me. I have glorified it, I will glorify it again. When Jesus faced the cross, he took his pain to God in prayer, okay? The more that we're hurting, the more we should pray, all right? We're not praying to dishonor God. We're not praying to curse God. We're not praying to disobey God. We're praying, right, because we're submitting our pain to him. We're, to, to him. we're making our requests known. I've said it like this. 
Sometimes prayer gets us around our troubles. Most times prayer gets us through our troubles. Okay? Yeah. Sometimes it does, but many times it gets us through our troubles. If you're, if you're hurting, prayer is your answer. There's a song by Phil Wickham entitled, The Battle Belongs. If you haven't heard that song, just YouTube it. Great song, The Battle Belongs. Phil Wickham talks about when I fight, I fall on my knees or I fight on my knees. But the battle belongs to him. Check it out. It's a great song, encouraging song. Number three, number three how did Jesus pray? Jesus prayed thankful prayers. Thankful prayers. Matthew eleven twenty five 25, and 26. At that time, Jesus prayed, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Okay, this is a, a prayer of thanksgiving by Jesus. Do you want to see momentum in your own prayer life? If you want to see momentum in your prayer life, start your prayers or begin by asking God, God, what can I begin to give you thanks for? How can I give you thanks? And then that list will be endless, okay? When you pray thankful prayers, it will motivate you. It will be the fuel. It will build hope, anticipation, and expectation in your own faith. When you pray thankful prayers, it will make you a God seeker and a grace giver. That's what praying thankful prayers will do. It will also change your attitude about things in your life or your situation. Oftentimes we we complain to God, you know, we're bitter about something, right? Christians are so good at that, <laughs> and, uh, and we nag and complain, and what we should rather do is bring, what, what are we thankful for, right? What are we thankful for? Some of you need to begin to thank God. All you do is complain. Nobody wants to be around you because you're always complaining. That's why, right? So go to God. That's for somebody in here. I don't know. That's <laughs> prophesy in this place, Pastor Marco. <laughs> but listen, let's begin to go to God, and, and, and let's, let's begin with an attitude of gratitude right there. There it is. <laughs> in our household, we do this thing called high-low buffalo. We learned it from Miss Sarah, our children's director. We call her Miss Sarah because she's our children's director. We want our kids to respect her. So Miss Sarah taught us this. And high-low buffalo is not a game. It's an activity. Uh, the high is like what, what went well in your, in your day. What are you thankful for? What's your high, right? So most of the time it's like pizza or something like that. I don't know. For our kids <laughs> or the cartoon or some sugary item, all right? Uh, <laughs> what's your low? What, 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 what went bad in your day? You're disappointed or just made you sad. And what's your buffalo? What's buffalo? It's a random thought. Random thought. And, again, that, that, that's often a piece of... Uh, or a food item, I don't know why. For Ezra, my son, it's silly, silly eyeball. And I'm like, I don't know what that means, buddy. I'm like, what are you? What? Why? And then my, my daughter is like, I wanted to say that. And she's like, no, silly, silly eyeball. And I'm like, I mean, you're entitled to your own random thought. So it's, <laughs> anyway, high, low, buffalo, uh, I, I encourage it. In your family. And my wife gets credit for this. We do a thankful journal with my kids. And, and a thankful journal is just a journal where, we, where, 
um, so for the month of April, she'll draw 30 balloons for one balloon for each day. And then in every single day, uh, at the end of the night, our kids will, will write what they're thankful for in that balloon. And then they'll color it. And then uh, what, what are we doing? We're just trying to realign our kids' hearts to gratitude. We have an entitled generation, don't we, right now? And entitlement is one of the plagues among many in our generation. Instead of entitlement, we're trying to teach our kids to be grateful, right? You don't deserve this. You don't, you, 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 we want you to be grateful for everything God has given you, right? So we're trying to teach that. How else did Jesus pray? Well, Jesus prayed in song. Jesus prayed in song. Mark 14, 26, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. When they had sung a hymn, who's they? Well, th- let me give you the context here so you can understand this verse here. This is right after the Passover meal or the Lord's Supper because at the time of Jesus' death, um, it, when he went to the cross, they were celebrating the, the Passover. And for the Jewish people, the Passover was a commemoration of what? Of the Exodus event, the Exodus from Egypt. And the, why call it the Passover? Because, well, because God passed over their household. When why? When they, when they took the blood of the lamb and they, right, they brushed it over their doorposts, God passed over them. And they were, uh, God, uh, you know, preserved their lives. But he struck down the Egyptians and then he freed them from Pharaoh. And so it was customary that at the end of the Passover meal that the Jewish people would sing or recite the Hallel. What is the Hallel? The Hallel is a Jewish prayer. And what it is is simply Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. Isn't that amazing? They would sing Psalm 113 to 118. So here in this, what we just saw in, in Mark's gospel, Jesus and his disciples are singing the psalm. Isn't that awesome? It's amazing. Can you imagine what that must have been like? How cool is that? They're singing the psalms. They're singing their prayers out uh, to their Father in heaven. And this practice was passed down in the Jewish community from generation to generation. Now think of what we do here on a Sunday morning. We gather and we start with worship and we start with, with music. And there's nothing magical about that. But what we're doing is we're fixing our hearts on God. When we worship, we ascribe worth and honor and glory to God. You know what, you know what we're also doing? We're praying. We're singing our prayers. We're singing our prayers. This morning, we, we sang a song called Fresh Wind. We need a fresh wind. What, what did we do? We prayed, but we were singing Pour your spirit out. God, we, we need it. Pour your spirit out on this, this church. Pour it out on this city. God, we need a fresh wind, a revival in our nation. Lord, help us. Lord, Christ, have mercy on our nation. The turmoil that we're in right now and the shootings, mass shootings and race riots and hatred on both sides, no matter where you're at, God, we need a fresh wind. We're praying. How beautiful is that to to pray or to sing our prayers out to God? And let me just say this. If you don't have, um, if you don't use worship music regularly or listen to worship, I want to just encourage you to do that. Begin to listen to some worship music daily, maybe in your car. Maybe you hook up your phone to one of those portable speakers and and, and maybe you're like washing your dishes and and you're just listening to worship music. Wherever it is in your day that it fits, uh, listen to the worship music, sing along, 
those are prayers to God. I would encourage you to do that. Jesus prayed his prayers. Number five, Jesus prayed with his last breath. With his last breath. Amazing. Luke 23, 46, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. He breathed his last. You know, one of the honors of being a pastor is that people invite me into some of the most sacred moments of their lives. When their, when their son or daughter is born, when uh, people are baptized, we get to baptize people. That's amazing. That's, that's just incredible. Um, I get to marry people. I've married a lot of my uh, different friends of mine that I've known for years and years. It's such an honor to be there, at, like the most joyous occasion of their lives, just the most celebratory occasion of their lives. But I'm also called in different situations where I'm sitting at someone's deathbed when they're about to take their last breath. I've been there many times. It's not easy. The room is full of tears and somber and what do you pray then? I mean, gosh, right? How, who am I to have adequate words in that moment? Um, but I'm there for their last breath. Jesus prayed with his last breath. That's amazing. His final breath was used to pray to his father one last time. I'll say it like this. The person who prays every day is always ready for their final day. The person who prays every day is always ready for their final day. Why? Because you don't know when you're going to go, and tomorrow's not promised. Nothing is guaranteed in this life. Nothing. Nothing. We don't know. We don't know. James tells us this. Life is like a vapor. We're here today, gone tomorrow. It's just, bam, we're gone. But if you're praying every day, prayer is a part of your daily discipline, whether that's in a journal, whether that's whatever it is. You're always ready for your final day, drawing near to the Father in prayer. Prayer marked Jesus' life all the way up until his last breath. It should do the same for us. Let's turn the conversation now towards us, okay? So we've looked at Jesus' life a bit. Let's look at us for a little while and how this kind of affects us. Because um, many times people have walked up to me and said, you know, Pastor Marco, how do I pray who do I pray to? Like, what, what does that look like? And it's a, it's, a great, it's a great question. As Christians, we pray what we call Trinitarian prayers. We pray Trinitarian prayers. What's that mean? It means the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let me, I'm going to say it like this, and I think this will make it very easy for you to understand. We pray by the Spirit, through the Son, to the Father, okay? We pray by the Spirit through the Son to the Father. We pray by the Spirit, through the Son, to the Father. Now, for the record, I don't think there's anything wrong with praying to the Holy Spirit. I do. I pray for um, the gift of prophecy as a preacher, as a minister. I, I, um, I, I want to give uh, the people of God a prophetic word that will up, build them up, a word that I would otherwise not have known unless the Spirit revealed to me. The prophecy is always for the building up of the church, never to condemn people, never to tear people down. So I believe in that. I, I believe in those gifts here at Radiant Church. We believe that. And so I pray to the Holy Spirit. I've, I've prayed to Jesus. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But as a general sort of matter, we pray Trinitarian prayers, right? Every person of the Trinity is God, of course. God is one in three persons. But let's look at this model that we have 
So let's start with we pray by the Spirit. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 4, 6. Because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. The Spirit has been given to you. If you are a believer, if you surrendered your life to Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living, residing on the inside of you. That Spirit is just like, it wants you to cry out, Abba, Father. Jesus in John 14 tells his disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will send, my father will send another advocate, the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth, right? He sends that towards us or to us. So listen, we are empowered and led by the Holy Spirit in our prayer. Sometimes people come up to me. I've had this before. Will you pray for me? And I'll say, sure. What do you want me to pray for? I don't know. Just pray whatever the Spirit tells you to pray. Fair enough. So in that moment, I begin praying, and I'm just like, whatever the Spirit drops in my heart. Whatever the Spirit drops in my heart at that moment. And there have been many times where people are like, wow, that was awesome. Like, how did you know I had that going on? I'm like, well, I didn't, I didn't know. I just, that was what the Spirit prompted me to pray. And, like, that was like, that was dead on. I was like, wow, that's, that's God, right? That's the beauty of the Spirit in us, right? We pray through the Son, by the Spirit, through the Son. What does that mean? Well, look at um, 1 Timothy 2.5. For there is one God, this is Paul writing to Timothy, one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus is what? He's our, he's our mediator. He's our go-between right between us and the Father. Hebrews 7.25 Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he's always, he always lives to what? To intercede for them. This is really, really incredible, guys. This is amazing. I want you to catch this, all right? Because Jesus is our mediator. He's our advocate. He's our intercessor. What does that mean? That means when we pray to the Father, Jesus has already been praying for us. Isn't that awesome? He's our intercessor, our mediator, our go-between. That means we pray to the Father, and Jesus takes those requests. He brings them to the Father, and then he bears resources for us that we otherwise would not have access to. Why? Because Jesus has gone in our place. He was the sacrifice. He shed his blood so we wouldn't have to. So Jesus is our perfect mediator. He's been praying for us. One scholar says it like this, the function of our high priest is to plead our cause. Again, he can do this more effectively than Aaron, who's the high priest in the Old Testament, or any other of his descendants ever could. The intercessory ministry of Christ shows his present activity for his people and is a direct continuation of his earthly ministry, okay? So we pray by the Spirit, through the Son, and to the Father. We pray to the Father. I mentioned this last week, Luke 11, 1 and 2. I won't go there because we went there last week. But remember, that's the Lord's Prayer. The disciples see Jesus praying. The teacher, Jesus, teaches how to pray. He says this, when you pray, say, Father. When you pray, say what? Father. Jesus is modeling how to pray. All right, final part here, you guys. Hang with me. 
How can we pray like Jesus? How can we begin to pray like Jesus? Number one, we pray in faith. We pray in faith, right? A part of any healthy relationship is what? Trust. You have to trust the person. To be in a healthy relationship means that you trust them. It means that you understand, there's an understanding that they will be loyal to you and you will be loyal to them. That's That's a part of any relationship. The Bible calls this faith. The Bible calls it faith, but it truly means to trust, okay? This loyalty, this commitment to someone, okay? It's true of our relationships. It's also true of our relationship with God. Matthew 21, 22, Jesus, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. What does that mean to have faith in prayer? Well, it means essentially this. It means that we're, we're trusting our Heavenly Father that he cares for us, that he exists, that he has listened to our prayers, and that he's working things out on our behalf, that he is listening and acting, and he does care, and he wants to help, right? We have to pray in faith. We pray in faith, believing that God has heard us, that he's moving on our behalf. Now, um, praying in faith is not, let me tell you what it's not. It's not manipulating God or making God do, making God do something, okay? Um, there's a movement known as a well, word of faith movement, prosperity gospel, and essentially they teach that you can make God do things by your faith. That you can just make God do things by your faith. That if you have enough faith, that God just does it. He has to do it. And I don't think that's healthy. I reject that, actually. Um, because I think it sets us up for an unhealthy relationship with our Heavenly Father. Because I'm a father, and I have kids. And my kids can make any demands that they want to. Okay? They can make any demands. And they're bold in their demands. I said this is the first service. Right? Ezra comes up to me. Dad, I want the bag of M&M's. I want the whole bag of M&M's, Dad. Like, okay, little man, like, that's really what you want, huh? And he can make, I mean, that's my son. I love him. He can make any request he wants, and that's all good. But I'm his father, and I know what's best, and so I'll give you one M&M, Ezra, maybe two if I'm feeling generous, right? Because if he's at Uncle Troy's house, he gets the whole bag, right? <laughs> but at his daddy's house, uh-uh, he ain't getting the whole bag, okay? He's not getting the whole bag of M&M's. So I'm his father, and now Ezra, my son, can make any request he wants, but when he demands, I tell him, mm-mm, try again. And my wife does that thing with, you know, ladies, you, you know, you with your hips. Excuse me? Right? <laughs> my wife will look at our kids, excuse me, try again. Because we can make requests, but we're not, they can't make me do anything. My kids can't make me do anything, okay? So in the same way, listen, we make any request to God because he's a good father, we, we don't demand, we don't, like, we're not making him do something with our faith. Oftentimes, people will say in, in that camp, in those camps, hey, if you want to be healed, just, you just have to have enough faith. Well, faith is important, absolutely, I believe that. Faith is vital. But oftentimes, on that same, on that same note, people will say, well, you weren't healed, and I guess you didn't, you didn't have enough faith. Can you imagine how crushing that is for someone to hear that? What if you have a chronic pain, and I tell you, well, I guess you didn't have enough faith? What does that do? That hurts people who are already hurting. 
That's not compassionate. It's not kind. I think that's, I think there's no faith involved in that, right? We, instead, we should be encouraging these people, right, coming alongside of them and praying with them and not crushing people. So not crushing people's faith. We, listen, we, we, we believe, we have faith, absolutely, but we're not somehow making God do something. We're not twisting his arm and manipulating God. He's our heavenly father still. We can make any request. That's the beauty of who God is, but, and yet we don't make demands. We don't, we don't make him do something, okay? Um, prayer itself is an act of faith because how many of you have ever felt, God, are you even listening right now? Prayer is an act of faith itself, right? Number two, we pray succinctly. We pray succinctly. Mark 12, 38 through 40. As he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes, be greeted with respect in the marketplace, have the most important seats in the synagogues, places of honor and banquets. They devour widows' houses for a show. They make lengthy prayers. Lengthy prayers, that's the, that's the key there. These men will be punished most severely. Let me just say this. There's nothing wrong with a, lo- with a long prayer. Nothing. We just, we just saw how Jesus prayed the entire night. Okay, that's a long prayer. Hello? Nothing wrong with a long prayer. But there's a difference between praying to God and praying for an audience in the applause of man. Right? There's a difference. That's what Jesus is trying to say to us. We all have that family member who we don't want praying at the family gathering. Come on, we all do. You know we do, right? It's like praying for the Thanksgiving dinner. Who wants to pray? Me, me, me. Like, oh, man. Right? It's like, oh, like by the time they finish praying for Thanksgiving turkey, it's Christmas, right? It's like, oh, man. (laughs) So Jesus, right, so that, the point is, are we making our prayers for show, right? Are we, are we making, are we, uh, are we trying to show people how zealous we are, how pious we are? Are we, are we just looking for the approval of man and, 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 and we're, we're just, we keep praying and praying and praying. You know, some of the most dangerous people, I think, in the world are those who are outwardly pious and inwardly wicked. They have this veneer of religiosity. It reeks like, ugh. It's like they use all the big words and Shekinah. It's like, okay, what, what is that? Like, what, what? Trying to, they're trying to impress me, like impress you. Like, listen, you don't have to prove to me or anyone else how spiritual you are. Right? Just pray. So Jesus said you can pray succinctly. When we pray publicly, we pray succinctly. When we pray privately, we can pray long prayers. Amen? Number three, we pray in God's will. We pray in God's will. John 16, 23, 24, in that day you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly I tell you, Jesus speaking, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be made complete. Your joy will be made complete. What does it mean to pray in God's will? Well, when we pray in Jesus' name, we are praying within the, within the will of God. Specifically, to pray in Jesus' name means not just to pray in his name, but we also pray in accordance with his will and, and in accordance with his character. 
So, so let me just describe that for you. Let me give you an example. Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew 26, I believe. Jesus is praying, Father, um, would you take this cup of suffering from me? He's making his request known. Father, take this away from me. But in the next breath, not as I will, but as you will. So we have two aspects. It's making his request, any request we can make of our Father in heaven. But then he surrenders his will. We should do both. We make our request and we surrender our will. We make our request and we surrender our will. If you're praying for something that you believe is in the will of God, you should keep praying it. You should keep praying it. There's nothing wrong with that. To pray in Jesus' name also means to pray in, his, in accordance with his character, okay? His character. Let me say this, church, that the, the character and the will of God is perfectly known in the word of God, okay? The, the perfect will of God is known in the word of God. So let me just ask you a question. Are you living in accordance with the character of God as outlined by Scripture? People will ask me, or in general, they will say, God, bless, bless my finances. Well, are you, are you generous? Are you giving? God, bless my business. Well, are you handling your business with integrity? God, bless my family. Well, yeah, he can. But are you leading and loving your family? Here's what I want to get across is that God always blesses obedience. Let me be very clear. God will not bless disobedience. God will not bless disobedience. Why would he bless that? Hey, will you pray for me? Well, you're living in sin. You want God to bless your sin? He doesn't do that, right? He doesn't do that, right? Fathers, you know this. If, you, if someone, was, someone wanted to date your daughter and they, they told you, hey, I'm taking her out for a date and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to abuse her at the end of the night, you wouldn't say, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Let me help you do that. That's great. Yeah, I bless you. You would say, no, you're not going to do that to my daughter, right? That's sinful and I'm not going to allow it. You're going to do prison ministry from inside the prison, right? You're not going to allow that. And it's the same with our Heavenly Father. Why would he allow you perhaps to, to destroy your life? Why would he bless that? He wouldn't. But he always blesses obedience. He always blesses obedience. And maybe that's hard for you to hear, but it's necessary. Number four, we pray humbly. We pray humbly. This is a bit long, so I'm going to fly through this. To some who were confident of their own righteousness, Luke 18, 9 to 14, they looked down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like the tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I have. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Let me just say this, that the, that the, that the Pharisee and the tax collector are on the opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to piety. 
except that the Pharisee is more like the tax collector than he would like to admit. He's just too proud to see it. Now, here's the deal, you guys. All of us have this, this, a little bit of this religious spirit on the inside of us. All of us do. What does that sound like? It's, it sound like? It sounds like this in prayer. Lord, help this person to learn as much as I have. Lord, I pray that you will just make him see it the way I see it. Lord, I pray that he would just become more like me. God, I just pray that he become more like me. God, teach this person to do what I want them to do. Lord, I pray that you would punish this person for everything they've done. Lord, I pray that you help him or her appreciate everything I've done. So He's so ungrateful. She's so ungrateful. Lord, just help her to appreciate me more, God. Those aren't really humble prayers. <laughs> Those are arrogant prayers, actually, right? And God honors a humble heart. When we pray humbly, we're not worried about someone else's sin. We're looking at our own sin. And we have a whole culture that's doing that right now. It's more concerned about other people's sin and not looking at themselves. That's a religious, self-righteous prayer. When we pray humbly, it means we're acknowledging that we've fallen short. Jesus says the tax collector is the one justified here. Why? Because he beats his breast. He's acknowledging, God, have mercy on me. I have fallen short. I say it like this. If you look humbly, or if you humbly look up to God, you won't arrogantly look down on others. Number five, pray fervently. We're going to keep going. So hang on. Hang, hang on with us. Luke 18, 1. I'll make these a bit quicker. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. You feel like giving up in prayer sometimes? Anybody? Yeah, I, I understand. Me too. Me too. But you know what our kids teach us? Our kids teach us not to give up because they are what? Persistent. Have you ever had your kid come up to you and they're like, Daddy, I want, you know, I want this, and, and you, don't answer at the, you don't answer right away or you don't respond? What do they continue to do? Daddy. Silence, son. I mean, they they are persistent and they will wear you out. Have the whole bag of MMs. I don't even care anymore. Come on, you know you've done that before. Shoot, Karen and I have, man. Take it all. Take it. Here's my wallet. Just take it all. This is what Jesus is talking about, persistent prayer. Read the whole parable. If you don't know that parable, it is amazing. Read it. It will give you the heart of God. It's amazing, right? Um, listen, you, if you believe something is in the will of God, you should continue to pray for it. You should persist. I get it. You feel like giving up. You need to keep going for it. You need to keep asking. You need to keep seeking. Keep knocking, Right? Even if Jesus returns, he wants to find you faithful in prayer. Right? That's right. He wants to find you faithful in prayer. 
when you keep praying, it keeps you hoping. And when you keep praying, listen, it will, it will help your heart to grow and to become more like Christ. Let's keep going. Number six, pray for sinners. Pray for sinners, which is really by all, all of us, essentially. But think about this. Mark eleven twenty five. 25, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. It is very easy to pray for our loved ones, to pray for those who see things just like we do, right? It's easy to pray for those who, who we get along with, our family, our friends maybe. It's not so easy to pray for someone who's offended us. It's not so easy to pray for that person who, who hates us maybe. Not so easy to pray for that person who hurt us. And it's not easy. But Jesus says this is what we should do. We should pray for those who have hurt us. Why? Because prayer may not change your situation, but it will always change your heart. Right? Prayer may not change your situation, but it may, but it will, I should say, always change your heart. Number seven, pray for needs. Pray for needs. Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus is saying this, if you have a need, bring it to your father. If you have a need, bring it to your father. And I'm afraid that too many Christians are too prideful and too self-conscious, they'll never pray for their own needs. They'll never pray for their own needs. And I think that's unhealthy. I think that's unhealthy because I think that if you, if that's what you believe, Here's what I think is happening. I think that you have an unhealthy view of the Father. Earthly fathers, we, we give in, don't we, at times? I mean, we just, we're, we're worn down. Mothers, you, you get this too as well, obviously. You, you're, you're tired. And we're just like, oh, not right now, honey. Like, I don't, oh, I'm so tired. Please, let's go outside. You're like, <laughs> That's not our Heavenly Father, though. Our Heavenly Father, what? Always has time for us. We fall short. He is our perfect father, though. So we can always go to him. If you're hurting, pray. If you have a need, ask God. If you need healing, pray. Ask God, yes. If you're not sure how you're going to pay the bills, ask God, yeah. Absolutely, you need to pray. Whatever need you have, bring them to the father. There's no concern too little for our God, amen? All right, finally, you guys, you guys have been such a good church this morning, being patient. I hope this has been life-giving to you. Number eight, pray for burdens. Pray for burdens. Beautiful passage, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. Come to me, Jesus speaking. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Okay, are you weary and burdened? Some of you are. I know because you've told me. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me talk about this for just a couple minutes. I'll, I'll, I'll be short. In the Bible, a yoke was literally a wooden collar. It was placed around one's neck and in the Old Testament, a yoke was essentially a harness that went, that connected or joined 
two animals together to ensure that they could pull something together. Mostly oxen, okay? Now, in the New Testament, when they say yoke, it's used more metaphorically. It's used metaphorically. It's used metaphorically. Paul uses it in Corinthians to talk about being yoked. He says, do not be yoked with an unbeliever, is what Paul says. What's that mean? It means to be connected, that there's a harness that has connected the two of you. Now you, now you can't break it apart now. But the yoke can also mean the teaching of a rabbi. Okay? So literally, it's a harness or it's a wooden collar meant to join uh, two individuals or two oxen, oxen together. But metaphorically in the New Testament, it really refers to connection of, of persons or the teaching of a rabbi. The Pharisees had a yoke. In fact, a rabbi would tell his disciple, right, take my yoke. What does that mean? It means follow my teaching, submit to my teaching, and then obey it. The Pharisees had a yoke. Here's what Jesus is trying to say. The Pharisees had a yoke, but it was burdensome. Why? Because it was legalistic. And all it was was it heaped burdens upon people. It was rule after 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 rule. You get the picture. Jesus' burden, though, is light. His yoke is easy. So he says, listen, come to me. I'll give you rest for your soul. Some of you, this morning, you need rest for your soul. And in prayer, here's what we do. In prayer, according to Peter, Peter says it's cast your cares on him for he cares for you. In prayer, we take our burdens and we transfer them to Jesus. We're carrying a heavy burden and we say, Jesus, I can no longer bear this burden. Here, you take it. And guess what? We don't only do it once. We do it over and over and over and over again. And that's, that's okay. That's what we're supposed to do. Why? Because Jesus is the burden lifter. Come on, he's the burden bearer, somebody. He's the one who comes alongside of you. And he carries your burden with you and for you. And he wants to carry your burden. And he wants you to approach him in prayer because he's the burden lifter. He wants to lift your burdens. Only Jesus can do that for us. Only Jesus can carry the heavy yoke of worry and anxiety and fear and anxiousness and depression and everything under the sun that we've been experiencing this last year and a half. Only Jesus can bear that burden. We're going to do that. We're going to close. I'm going to pray with you. Let's stand up together, church. We're going to pray together. Let's do that. Let's bring our burdens to Jesus right now. Come on. What, what burden do you have, church? What burden do you have? What, what do you have right now? What are you carrying? Just think about in your own head. What are you carrying? What's the, your, your burden? What's your burden right now? Are you fearful? Are you worried? Are you anxious? Is it your spouse? Is it your husband? Is it your kids? Is it money? What is, what is it? What, what's, what's your burden right now? Come on, let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you. And we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit right now, God, through the Son, Jesus Christ, we pray, God, to our Father, we pray to you, God, that you, God, would use your Son to be our burden lifter, our burden carrier, God. We acknowledge that we cannot carry the burden on our own. 
God, we acknowledge that it's too much for us. God, we acknowledge that we were never meant, we were never designed to carry this burden. And so right now, Jesus, we bring every burden at your feet. Every burden at your feet. Jesus, you are the burden bearer, the burden lifter. Jesus, you've come to give us your teaching. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. And so, God, we come to you, God, and we cast our cares upon you because you care for us. God, there's no one who cares for us like you do, God. God, men and women will fail us. Princes and rulers will disappoint us, God, but you will never fail. You will never fare, God. So right now, we bring our burdens to you. When we say, Jesus, thank you for being our burden lifter and our burden carrier, God. Thank you, God. When we couldn't carry it anymore, God, you carry it for us, God. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who makes a way where there is no way. Jesus, we love you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. You are the burden lifter. God, you have come in our place. You are our advocate. You are our mediator. You are our intercessor. God, we pray to the Father, and you are praying for us. So we love you, and we worship you this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Clap our hands for him this morning.